The Last Word with Matt Cooper. It's time for our weekly music spot and as ever we're joined by D-Ready and John Cadell. And let's start with some of the gig announcements that have come up. Journey returning to Dublin in November, but is it really Journey if you don't have Steve Perry singing? Well, Steve Perry hasn't been singing for Journey for about 22 years. <laughs> wow. But this is still Journey, even that. I mean, just his yeah. voice is what's so recognisable. Yes, but Arnel Pineda, who has been his stand-in for the guts of 20 years, sounds remarkably like Steve Perry. So they sort of went for a sound-alike to fulfil the lead singer role. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the fans have accepted Arnel Pineda. The thing about Journey is they were never really a band based on strong personalities, the likes of, say, your Freddie Mercury's or your Ozzy Osbourne's. So, not that they weren't well known as individuals, but it's Journey are a band where it's like the iconography of their, their album covers and their band logo and their songs is really what's iconic about them. So, it sort of doesn't really matter... They just kind of get on with it. Yeah, it doesn't really yeah. matter who's in the band to a certain extent. Jeez, I tell you, our lead guitarist Neil Sean would argue strongly against that. Yeah, he would because he's in the band, and so I'd be personally. But he regards but himself but as the main man. Well, the there's all sorts. Has. Yeah, but it's their 50 year anniversary, and you're saying he's been singing with the band for almost half of that. Yeah, he has. So been. you know, um, but Journey have had a long like read the Wikipedia entry or or about Journey and their band members and the comings and goings. It's it's actually. It's it's like early Fleetwood Mac kind it's of vibe. essential reading, yeah. Okay, it's the, the, the craziness. Okay, that gives us an excuse to play a little bit of Journey, any way you want it. Cheesy rock, is yeah. it? Ah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's Steve Perry singing. Who of course, Steve was Perry. a guest on the show last year. Yes, he was. A very engaging individual. Yeah. Okay. Also coming, Kings of Leon. Yeah, that's right. They have just announced um, that they are coming, along with their support act, The War on Drugs, another great band, uh, to Marley Park. Ar- ar- arguably a better band. I mean, that was my polite way of saying that. <laughs> but anyway, they're going to Marley Park uh, in Dublin this summer. So they'll be playing on Saturday the 6th of July. Uh, and it's all part of their Can We Please Have Fun tour. So uh, the tickets go on sale this Friday at 9am. And they start at 89.75. Are The War on Drugs an outdoor gig, really? Would they not be somebody you'd prefer in an indoor arena? Well, you can stare at your shoes indoors or outdoors, so... You can what? Oh, you could stare at the sky as well if you're outdoors. Mm, True, yeah. 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 But, like, I suppose if they're the support act, it'll be earlier in the evening, people kind of milling around slightly more relaxed, and then get into the... But they're a bit intense, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Yeah. Whereas Kings of Leon are? They're sort of good time. Yeah, aren't they? Yeah, but they're more what you consider outdoor rock, have a bit of fun, a few beers, aren't well, they? Well, maybe yeah. that's how, why they named the tour Can We Please Have Fun. Maybe it was directed at the War on Drugs as their support act. Well, it's actually a couple of interesting <laughs> facts. It is the name of their new album. I know. And as they easy. always do, 
their album titles are five syllables long. Oh. All of them. Like a haiku. All of them are, always. Oh. Yeah, there you are. Impress your friends. Well, okay. I don't know about your friends. I don't know how impressed mine would be by that. Well, okay, well, let's hear a little bit of uh, Kings of Leon, Molly's Chambers. See the crowd yeah. going for that, yeah. Murder, aren't you? That's good, fun rock, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, people say the Kings of Leon are two different bands. There's the first three albums, and then there's the Sex and Fire Onwards band, yeah. which I don't really subscribe to. But you know, once they shaved their beards, it was like almost sacrilege to their what you might call original fans. But, but yeah. that happens so often. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I prefer the early stuff syndrome. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. But yeah, no, they'll be they'll be great. They always put on a, a, a great show. You know, they are a good time rock and roll band. They they probably take themselves a little more seriously than, you know, the average music lover does. But yeah, no, they've they've a, a catalogue of massive massive stadium bangers. I'm going to return to a topic we discussed during TV and streaming last night with Elaine Burke and Joe Shea, the Eurovision, because I'm interested to hear what you think of the row about the Israeli entry. October rain and the concern about it being deliberately political. D, what do you think? Yeah, so it's not been released publicly but it has been put forward as the Israeli entry for this year's competition which is going to be in Malmo um, later on in the year in May um, and basically the European Broadcasting Union have now confirmed that it was been talked about for a while but that they are actually looking into the content of the song because it's been um, claimed that the song is um, that the, 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 the October Rain refers to directly the October 7 to the massacre October, by, by Hamas, yes, the appalling exactly. terrorist atrocity. Um, and I suppose, like on one level, there, there's been a lot of calls for um, Israel to be not allowed to take part in the competition this year, similarly to how Russia um, didn't take part. Um, last year. Because it was thrown out because of the yeah, invasion of yeah. Ukraine. Um, and there's obviously been, you know, as we've seen in so many arenas of life, there's been a lot more reticence about throwing Israel out is, than there is about Russia. So on one sense level, I feel like this might be an easy an easy answer for all involved to... And you might the Israelis like the idea of being thrown out, do you think? They say, oh, they are, we're yes, trying to because, sing a song yeah, which makes and, reference and to and an atrocity being, against they, our people and you're kicking us out. And their statement about it is 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 typically kind of bullish on that front. They say they said that you know if they're not going to if if the song isn't allowed, they won't be taking part. Basically, what do you make of this, John? Well, I mean, it says that the song may be rejected due to perceived political lyrics. Now, if they are concerned because the song is is uh, lyrically talking about a specific event. Or is it because there is a, a message in the song's lyrics? Now, the lyrics haven't been made public, so we don't know. But if you think of songs in the past in the Eurovision Song Contest, even things like Nicole's A Little Piece from 1982, and that was, a, you know, I think during the Falklands War, you know, was there concerns then that that was 
politically motivated. I think it's a song contest, you know, let people hear the song. But would it get Ireland and various other countries off the hook of having protests about taking part in the same competition as Israel removed if the Israelis are thrown out on the spaces? Well, I, I wonder, do, do, does politics have to come into every aspect of life? When it does, it, it, it just it does. does. But, like, that's the nature of politics. That you, you know, you can only blinker yourself so much. And at the end of the day, so much of music and so much of art is political. We were only a few weeks ago talking about um, NECAP and, and, and how the British government had, had denied them funding that had been previously promised to them. And, like, at the end of the day, some of the best art comes from politics and from political, you know, ideas. And it, it's, it just seems odd in this case. But do we think that the way forward is for the, like, the organisers of the Eurovision Song Contest, inverted commas, um, that they should have the right to censor lyrics from any song that's entering itself into their competition? I think they do already, don't they? Do they? Well, they have. This prior record, Belarus was thrown out in 2021 mm. for overtly political lyrics. Mm. Okay. I think that's the problem here, is what's good for the goose is good for the gander, and the, the same rules aren't necessarily being applied. Mm. It's the Eurovision Song Contest. I know, but can you really, you know, if you believe that Israel is doing things in Gaza, which many people believe is genocide, are close enough to it, and it's entirely wrong with the amount of people who have been murdered in retaliation for, and we have to say this in case we're described as anti-Semitic, for the terrible and appalling and unjustifiable attack of October 7. Mm -hmm. But equally, if you feel that Israel has reacted utterly disproportionately, can you say, well, we believe that? But no, let's hear the Israeli song here in the big party that we're having in the Eurovision Song Contest. Yeah, and I suppose it's it's up to the Eurovision's organisers to decide whether or not at the end of the day they will throw Israel out. And, but as Dee mentioned, it might be an easy out for Israel if they say, well, they said our lyrics were too political, so they banned us from the competition. Now, what about Charlotte Church? Because she led a choir in a rendition of From the River to the Sea at the Sing for Palestine fundraising event in Wales last Saturday. There's a problem here, though, isn't there, in that the song From the River to the Sea implies the absolute getting rid of the state of Israel, which is not what people are looking for. And we're talking about two-state solution does not involve the obliteration of Israel. Yeah, that's true. And look, what she has said on that is that it's a really powerful chance that every single activist she has met, um, the context that she's heard it sing on, uh, sung about has been for human rights and the equal liberty of the Palestinian people as well as the Israeli people um, on the lands of both Palestine and Israel. But I think... You know, when a song has such strong associations like that, she might have been better to find a, a, a different song See, to I deliver wonder, that message. Do many people who think of understand this song from the understand yeah. that it means the obliteration, the destruction of Israel? And I, I think when she used as her uh, reasoning that it's been used at every single protest event she's ever been at, that's because it's a protest song, but this is the specific uh, war that this song refers to so that's the difference you know it's it's you know there are there are political songs and and protest songs that are more or less universal that have their beginnings in one specific event and this particular song refers to the specific event that people are protesting so that's the problem if i've explained it anywhere uh anywhere uh near what it how it was meant to uh so it's that it is so specific to the river 
It's the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea. So, like, you know, while something like, and I don't mean to sound trite, blowing in the wind might be about a specific thing, it, as a protest song, has been sung at protest events for 60-odd years. But this is a specific event and a specific song about a region. And singing it during a war in that region is probably where Charlotte Church has gotten it wrong. So I, I, I understand her reasoning, but this is specifics that we're talking about here. Okay, let's move it on and something that is not quite as serious. Hmm. Because I have actually seen Taylor Swift perform live when she was in Crow Park. And I have to say, I missed the satanic rituals, which former Boys on star Shane Lynch claims she performs in front of fans. However, Maybe is this a new thing that she's doing, is no, it? No, no, Matt. You see, what you're missing there is that the the, the, the work of Satan is often hidden ah. within the joy of the music. Ah. And therefore, that might be how you missed it. I must And have. that was actually the devil at work there. Now, I th- Maybe I'm just so sick well, I went over my yeah. head. Guys, no, it's, you know, like, like Shane Lynch is... A very Christian person, and he, you know, he honestly believes this. So I think, you know, John, it's it's. John, I sorry. can see where Just he's honest, coming from. With someone the, honestly believing something yeah. doesn't make it mean that you can go around accusing people of doing the work of Satan but during not, a concert. But he's not saying it for the crack. He's saying it because he's talking about the pentagrams on the stage, and I, I'm I'm not saying I agree with him, but. You know, he is a deeply Christian individual. He is like. I think you're giving him maybe a bit too much leeway there. Well, I, I'll I'll be honest. I've I've a soft spot for Shane. Yeah, a fair. He's a nice fella. But yeah. John, like, yeah. and, and neither of us are saying that. I don't think I certainly wasn't. But like, it, it, it's it's it, it's it's a pretty wild swerve to go from, you know. The, the outfit he wore on the late late to accusing other people of doing the work of Satan. Say, do you know what I mean? <laughs> like yeah, She said, if you watch one of her shows, she has two or three different demonic rituals to do with the pentagrams on the ground, to do with all sorts of stuff on her stage. But to a lot of people, it's just art, and that's how people are seeing it, unfortunately. And how he sees it is as an affront to Christianity, and genuinely sees it as this. He says you'll see a lot of hoods up and masks on and fire ceremonies. Yeah. Now, I don't know what the significance of that is, but, I mean, he obviously feels strongly about it. And he but him feeling strongly for it is not, a, is not enough of a reason for us to go, OK, fair enough, Shane. Ta- Taylor's I agree, but I don't think we should be, like... I, I also I just, don't I think, think we should be tittering give, about it. Give her... Well, I I, I think it's, it is pretty funny. Actually, so it's it's the stage show he seems to have the issue with, because let's hear a little bit of the music. Let's hear I Knew You Were Trouble and see if there's any secret satanic you just message hear in you this. Were trouble. No apologies, he'll never see you cry Pretends he doesn't know that he's the reason why You're drowning, you're drowning You're drowning And I heard you moved on from whispers on the street A new notch in your belt is all I'll ever be And
reference there to drowning because you know the, the witch's mm. throne or the witch's throne and the innocent's throne. I'm beginning to think that, that song is in fact about Satan and yeah. not John Mayer. Yeah. <laughs> Picks of the week. What's your pick of the week, John? My pick of the week is MGMT. Their fifth album, which is called Loss of Life, came out last Friday. It's their fifth. They haven't had one in a while. The last thing they released was a live album. But uh, this is the first single from it. By the way, like every MGMT album, it's full of all sorts of different types of songs. The songwriting is top-notch, and just have a listen to Mother Nature. I think I'll have to hear that again. Well, you will, and it'll yeah. grow in you. I hope it does. Yeah. Sometimes the best songs are the ones you don't grab first time round and they grow it. in you. Mother Nature from the new album, Loss of Life, released last Friday. So what's your pick, Dee? Mine is the latest single from James Vincent McMorrow. It's called Never Gone, and it is the lead single on his seventh full-length album, which has just been announced to come out on June 14th. Um, and really interestingly, he before he actually got into studio and recorded the full album, he performed the album content over two nights in the National Concert Hall. Um, I, I, I have a friend of mine who, who went along to one of the nights and said it was just incredible. So w- was able to actually try stuff out in front of the audience, see what worked, see what didn't work. Did he do some old as well? Um, I don't think so, no. I think it was all the new material. Um, and yeah, this, this, this is the lead single that was, that's come out in the past week called Never Gone. It's really lovely. Will you tell me about Vincent McMorrow, Never Gone, a new album due out in June, Wide Open Horses. Okay, we have to finish there. Unfortunately, we're out of time. D-Ready, John Cadell, thank you both as ever for being with us. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.